You're listening to the Around the Lens podcast, the home of high-quality, roundtable, visual journalism discussion about the news, topics, and gear related to our career field. Now, here's the host of our show, David J. Murphy. Hello and welcome to Around the Lens episode 235. I'm your host, David J. Murphy. Joining me this week is my regular co-host, Travis W. Keys, a commercial photographer and chairman of the APA based out of New York. Hello, Travis. How are you? Good, Dave. How are you doing this week? I mean, I'm good as one can be in this crazy, crazy world. <laughs> oh, welcome to Around the Lens, the radio show. Yeah. Uh, my, yes. I yes, need my hello. funky sound effects board here. <laughs> what is going on? Oh, man, the traffic is intense on the internet. Weather on yeah, the fives. Right. Weather on the fives. Oh, <laughs> glad to see you're in such a good mood today, Travis. Uh, I'm still asleep, so it's all good. You know, I know it's uh, it's not that early on, on the East Coast. It's 9 in the morning, but uh, uh, last night I, I, I do host a, uh, a, a wonderful uh, photographer's uh, kind of uh, group that uh, we all get together and we all kind of issue challenges and shooting challenges and help each other in, in marketing and promotion. That goes a little late, so Monday morning is always a little yeah, early for me. I hear you, man. Is that something that's open to anyone or is it just for APA members? It's no, it's 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 anyone, and it's invite only. It's a very uh, select group. So, but uh, we always, uh, you know, let some new people in every once in a while to make sure that they fit the group and stuff like that. But uh, it's, uh, it's 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 been going on for uh, I think since March, and we meet every single Sunday, and it's amazing because like we all issue each other challenges, and you know, and and push each other on personal projects and help each other and it's it's just one of the, a wonderful thing that's come out of all of this is uh putting these type of things all together all right right well i'm sure if they're an around the lens mm-hmm. listener or watcher then they're of high caliber enough to potentially join your group so contact travis if that sounds like something that may be uh sure. down your your up your lane um yeah. all right joining us for her second appearance on the show our guest this week we're honored to have hannah kozak a auto, auto excuse me, an autobiographical photographer <laughs> and former stunt woman, and now most recently a published author, uh, joining us for a second appearance. As I said, to discuss her new book, "He Threw the Last Punch Too Hard," which I happen to have here in my hands, and I've read through for the most part. And we're happy to discuss. Hannah, welcome. Glad to have you. Thank you for having me back, Travis and David. It's good to be Great here. To have you? How is everything going on there in California? <laughs> you know, it's it's a beautiful day. It's Monday. Indeed. We're here. We're doing it. We're good. Right and early. All right. Well, talk to us. Uh, you know, last time we talked, of course, you know, you had the Kickstarter, I believe, and you were trying to raise the funds, and you know, it was a little bit. You know, we were we always kept that positive mental attitude, no matter what. Um, but you know. You came Always. through, you got the funding, you know, you're working with, of course, a great publisher. Remind me of their name? Photo, Photo Evidence. Evidence. Absolutely, yes. Photo um, Evidence. So and they do project, they do these projects about injustices yeah. and, um... So kind of talk mm-hmm. to us through the timeline of what happened, yeah. you know, like, what was your reaction when you found out that your your book was, was fully kickstarted? And then what was sort of like, what happened after that to the point where the book was actually out and published? I have to tell you that one of the most magnificent uh, aspects of the Kickstarter was that uh, Douglas Kirkland brought it to the finish line. The magnificent photographer, Douglas Kirkland. And so that was, that was joyful for me. In other words, we had X amount that we needed left and they just, they brought it to the end, and I was 
I was super grateful for that. And then we started the process of actually creating the book, which was working with a very experienced photo editor, Regina Monfort, who's in New York, based out of New York. Um, Regina worked for Irving Penn. She worked for Richard Avedon for seven years. Just she some flew people in. no one's ever heard of. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I felt uh, in very good hands. Regina flew in from New York. And she stayed with me in Los Angeles, and we literally laid out the photographs on the floor in my living room. And uh, that is really the way to assemble a photo book, um, just to see it yeah. visually with print, with prints. And together we constructed, we, we assembled the narrative, and we used photographs, uh, photographs that I made over a decade and vintage images and artifacts to tell this uh, deeply personal story of my reconciliation with my mother. And also, it's a story of photography as a healing process. Um, and, it, and it tells my mother's story, who was left brain damaged by her second husband. It tells her story of of isolation, of loneliness, of abuse, connection, compassion, forgiveness, family, humanity, grace, joy, and uh, really inspiration and love. My mother's truly a, a symbol of perseverance. And, you know, I really just wanted to move beyond hyperbole and just tell this story of what happened to my mother with, with honesty and... Uh, and hopefully, these photos will inspire someone else to leave an abusive relationship before it's too late for them. Yeah, absolutely. So you laid out the book, and then kind of what was sort of the, the process there, like working with the publisher? I know um, the the actual publisher, they, they're the ones who actually like sort of designed the book, right? Like the graphic of the book, like the front and certain. So, so the way that worked, Dave, um, is we would have <clears throat> weekly Skype, Skype sessions with the book editor, the book designer, the book publisher, and myself. And we made every decision wow. together, every step That's of the great. way. Yeah, it was quite it was quite a process, I have to say. And the cover, what ended up being the cover at one point, I thought would be end papers mm -hmm. on the book. Wow. Uh, but it ended up being the cover, and I'm, I'm happy with it. Um, you know, you look at the cover, and it looks like a, a frilly photo album with pink with pink font and then you get into the story which is it's quite something yeah, you know when i saw the cover the oh. first thing that came to my mind was i was thinking like oh it'd be neat if the the actual book looked like this with the sort of wire bound on the right you know i thought that would be neat but you know that may have been uh not realistic with regard to budgeting and everything like that we had a <laughs> guest on a few exactly. um a few exactly. months ago or so who talked about his book and his his sort of book, you know, is all about like documentation of sort of um, his time photographing in the military. And so he made his very much like a, a notebook style, you know, but again, different projects and, and have different uh, scopes and whatnot. Um, so you got the book, you got it. So was it all the books were shipped to your house or were they shipped in a warehouse or they stored on Amazon or how they sort of distributed like that? So uh, part of the books were shipped to my publisher in France. 
Another part of them were shipped to Amazon, and then the biggest part of them were shipped to my house, which that's what I've been doing the last few weeks here, is putting together the boxes and uh, the mailing list and who gets books and who gets prints and who gets thank you cards and try getting them all out. It's been quite a process, actually. Uh, but to see my dream realized after, after 10 years... Um, it's, it's, there's almost no words for being able to hold the book in my hand for the first yeah. time. And, uh, already working on the second one. Yeah. I have, I have about, I have about eight books right now wow. that I'm ready to publish I that I was working it. on. I, I was working on them simultaneously. I was working on that project. I don't do one project at a time. The way my brain works, I've got a lot of stories. So I work on all of them simultaneously. They all finished after 10 years, wow. actually, too. Okay. So, Very yeah, I've got cycle. a lot of books. Got a cycle. I've got books up my sleeve, guys. <laughs> I love let's it. see. Let's see. Let's see those <laughs> sleeves. Uh, well, that's no, that's great. Um, what did your mom think of the book? Has she seen it? I showed my mother the book uh, behind a gate with the traffic yeah. whizzing by in the heat. And, um, and she liked it. She oh, saw it. She liked it. Yeah, it was uh, qu quite heart-wrenching. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's been locked down oh for gosh. five months. So well, I'm glad. I think, exactly. I think just the fact that, you know, she was able to see your dream realized and see that book in person, that's the most important thing. That's, that's it, David. Have you, have you continued to capture some of that uh, visitation and, and the, that five months in, in photos? Photos and videos. I've been posting them on uh, social media and getting quite a response because this is affecting so many people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people are writing in tears and um, very emotional because the average person's not being given the permission to see their elders yeah. like yeah. I have. But I have yeah. because I wouldn't accept I wouldn't accept yeah. that reality so yeah so i'm happy my mother was able to see the book yeah and no, i haven't seen my mom and yeah. you know since i've been here in korea and obviously i can't go back really to see her without you know running through a bunch of hoops and i'd almost be worried to see her because you know she's <clears throat> in her 80s so i don't want to like be the reason or cause something horrible happened to her but thankfully she's okay exactly. i speak to her once a week so uh, this is your your reminder yeah. if you're listening call your parents um yeah. well, I, my 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 mother was yes. down in Florida for the first, you know, good three, three to four months of this, and uh, finally drove back. And uh, now I get to, you know, drive to the country essence to make sure, you know, she's a good and get to see her and have little family barbecues now and stuff like that. Social distance mm -hmm. outside. It's, yeah. it's nice. Ex excellent, Travis. I'm glad. I'm happy to hear now, that. I did have a question about the structure and style of the book. So obviously, when you're looking through this, you know, it starts out with the photo album. It looks like scans. It looks like these are scans of the actual pages from the album, or at least just a very convincing texture that was used here. Um, and then it goes into, obviously, some the, you know, the shots of your mother and whatnot. Uh, but then you kind of jump around between, you know, pictures from your history and other sort of your other projects, your nude project that you did. Um, so again, I was just curious, what's the, what was sort of your thought process behind sort of the jumping around in timeline? It's an interesting sort of take on the subject matter, you know, to go non-linearly. And I was just curious, you know, why did you choose to go that route with the way you presented the material? What was the sort of, you know, justification there? 
having a, um, an experienced photo editor like Regina Montfort really helped the process um, because the, the photo the photo book would not be of interest to anybody to just have photographs of my mother uh, present day. And so when Regina came and stayed with me and we went into my archives and we found what we found, uh, it, it made the story, I think, a lot more interesting to not do it just in a timeline. And there are so many different aspects to this story. I mean, uh, when my marriage ended, I started doing self-portrait nudes. It was a way of me trying to find myself. That's all related to my mother leaving when I was nine years old. So that's why we brought in the self-portrait nudes. Uh, we brought in photographs from my stunt career because in a, in a way, me being a stunt woman almost kept my tra trauma status going. You know, every time that beeper went off, I had to hit the ground or do a high fall or do a stair fall or do a train fall or do a car hit or do a bike hit. So I was constantly revved yeah. up. Um, so we're trying to we're trying to show that in this in this in this book and i think i think we did so successfully you can tell me better um again an interesting take on the material and you know the weaving in of your personal life i think was you know interesting again with i agree with you it does break up sort yeah. of because obviously you know your mother obviously you've got you know very dramatic photographs of her but you're also limited in a sense due to her her nature as a being right. you know, someone who's essentially bedridden, you know, or, or needs assistance and whatnot. So I mean, there's only so many ways you can show exactly. that sort of. I, I did I actually did a story myself back when I was in Syracuse University, where I was <clears throat> um, highlighting a woman in hospice, and so she was you know literally mm -hmm. on her deathbed, and everything I shot was in her room on the bed. So really, the story was built from those interactions that she had with her family or anything like the nurses would do That's so exactly right yeah no I, th I think it's an interesting take do you see yourself um integrating more of your biography or your personal life or so, you, know, you said you have eight books in the hopper do you see yourself you know potentially including that kind of breaking up of the material or you including your personal life with those stories or do you think there'll be more straight narrative stories yeah uh, each each book is different but um i'm always okay. in there I mean, I don't really think I'm always in there. That's that's what photography is, right? That's what's make that's what makes it so personal. And I think the more personal that it is, the more it reaches out and touches more people. It reaches a wider audience because I think everyone can relate on some level, even if the story is not exactly their story. I think every every family has something that they can relate to here i mean everyone's got something in their family that uh it's not necessarily doesn't necessarily have to be an abusive background yeah. and they'll there'll be some kind of relatability but yeah the other projects that i've that i completed i'm in there one way shape or form or the other cool. right yeah definitely interesting yeah yeah absolutely uh, by the way are you like Obviously, you got the the Kickstarter backers and whatnot, but are you tracking, or do you know about like the sales of your book? And also, how have you sort of coped with the fact that you can't go out and sort of do your book tour? 
Uh, you know, um, that's been uh, a bit of a sorrow for me because I had book launches scheduled at the Bronx Documentary Center in New York, at Book Soup on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. We were going to do something in France with my publisher. So we're trying to figure out a way to launch online. Uh, that's really what we have at this juncture. We don't have another way. Um, so any ideas, we're open. Yeah, there's, there's some there's some actual fun ways you can do virtual book signings and, uh, you know, the stuff that we've been working on uh, at APA to try and bring that to people. And, uh, I could use I'd some help, help with that. Yeah. That would be that would be wonderful, Travis, because uh, it's quite challenging releasing a book during COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite challenging. Just sit so. behind a plate. I would love anything. Just sit behind a plexiglass barrier, wear a mask and face shield, and then make sure everybody is six <laughs> feet away from each other and you're golden. Bada bing, bada boom, book signing. Sharpie and some disinfectant, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's great, thank Hannah. Again, congratulations on getting the book out there. Uh, we'll make sure to plug it again. You can find you. the link to the book, um, you know, to her website, which has the book advertisement on there, on her website, which are on our show notes. And, of course, we'll plug that at the end. But let's get to our first topic this week. And I was really hoping to have... Evelyn or even Zach on to talk about this since it, this more relates to them. But hey, we'll do what we, best we can with what we got. Um, so the NPPA, Sorry. I'm sorry, the NYC government uh, has decided that they're going to um, revise some of the rules related to press passes. And, you know, this is a, a subject that's near and dear to my heart because I am a uh, press pass holder from 2009. So happy to have that and have that legacy about me. Um, the, you know, evidence, of course, that I worked as a freelancer in New York City for a time. So it's a subject near and dear to my heart. And, um, you know, when the I heard about these new rules, I kind of jumped in on a Zoom conversation with Robert Roth, someone who we interviewed a few uh, about a month or so ago about drone laws in, in New York City. So it's very difficult to fly a drone in New York City because of these laws. And, you know, of course, mm -hmm. that was in the news because of all the burials that were going on on that island in, near New York City. So anyways, um, these these changes to the rules, I'll, I'll kind of quickly summarize what they mean and what they're about, and then we can talk about sort of the general idea of, of kind of what we think about them. Um, but essentially, they they deal more with the education, adjudication, I'm messing that up, you know, the hearings, basically the revocation process. So I take your credentials from you. How do you get them back? How do you defend yourself? How do you fight for those press credentials back? And so it kind of outlines this process where there's a hearing and you can have witnesses and you can provide evidence. It's almost like a court hearing, really, to get your press pass back. And if they say, nope, you were breaking the rules, you know, and here's some of the reasons you could have your press credentials suspended, lawful arrest, failure to comply with a lawful order, intentional interference with the police function, misrepresenting yourself, not acting in a news-gathering capacity, unauthorized transfer of credentials, so just giving link someone else use your pass without, you know, who isn't you, uh, and conducting something, you know, that endangers the, the public safety. So these are ways that, you know, some officer could take your press pass and you get suspended. And if you get suspended, you, that's a six-month suspension with potentially get your best pass back after that six months or it could potentially be suspended again revocation means you can't get it back you can't apply for a new press pass for after a year so in these rules again it just defines this process because currently the process isn't 
defined as far as I understood it from the Zoom call I was in about this issue. So there was there isn't really a, a defined process for the whole suspension and revocation thing. It used to be something I guess was more, you know, you just kind of talk to them and you say like, hey man, can I get my pass back type thing, you know. Uh, but now they're trying to like outline it and make it more formal, if you will. And, you know, I, I think you know, personally I'm not against the idea of outlining sort of the rules and process here. But the one thing I noticed in these rules, you know, after reading them, and I think it's probably an issue, you know, that Zach has brought up. I've seen him talk about he wants to, you know, take away the, the press passes from the NYPD even being able to issue them. But, you know, one of the things I don't see here mentioned in the rules is any sort of consequences for an officer who takes your press credentials away improperly, right? So you're out there, you're doing your job, you're, you're acting within the rules of the press pass, but some officer who doesn't like your attitude or, you, you know, you, you doing your job takes your press pass away, you fight for your rights, you take time off, you hire a lawyer, you get evidence, you do all the things you need to do to, you know, get it back, you get it back, and then... What you, you okay? You, go go along your way, media. You'd be happy you got your press pass. But what about the consequences for that officer, right? And this doesn't talk about that at all. Maybe that's not the place for this, but I think it should be something that is at least mentioned because you know it's it's again the police and the NYPD's ability to interfere with the First Amendment. You know, so that's that's kind of like the general topic and kind of what is sort of going on here. And as always with the show, we like to give our guests first dibs at you know discussing this. Um, you know, is, is there anything kind of you can take from this, you know, topic, Hannah, do you think, you know, do you think that these rules and, and kind of outlining this process is a good thing for the press pass process in New York City? Uh, the first thought that comes to mind is draconian. And uh, I don't understand why they should be involved with the press pass at all. I don't yeah, I I mean, how did, how did that even come to be? How How is the New York City Police Department involved with press passes? I mean, honestly, I don't understand that. No, I, I don't understand either. I, I never questioned or never knew why sort of the, the history of the press pass. Like, why, why does it exist in, in New York City and how is it handled in any other city? You know, like I would have loved to have heard Evelyn's take on this from the D.C. perspective you know, are they, I, right. I mean, I've never heard of or seen a press pass issued in D.C. or any other municipality. Well, I know initially, uh, ages ago, it used to uh, actually clearly state on press passes stuff. This allows the bearer to cross police sure. lines. Uh, so um, right. they wanted they wanted to, uh, you know, somewhat uh, legitimize uh, that the press person that, that they were actually able to, that person was able to, the police department had that on uh, you know their own files that this person all right is a legit person they we have issued this that they can cross our lines and we know about it unfortunately now it's gone into that territory and i i agree with both of you this is really really dangerous territory and we're you know now now we're talking about you know uh police uh you know and body cams we're talking about body cams being turned off we're talking about you know when a police can say oh you know i don't want this filmed or you know if a police person feels that uh, a situation is uh turning bad for them are they going to pull your press pass just to protect themselves and they, they have the right to do that just to hide it this and we're, we're going to really dangerous territory where they have the ability to say well i'm going to pull your pass or not and uh uh that scares me yeah i mean that's the, the it scares me yeah, too that, that's the, the what the press yeah. pass gives you is the ability to cross the press line pat you know the the, yeah. you know, the crime scene tape so to speak when it's not going to interfere with their yeah. ability to investigate that's you know because obviously if yeah. you're 
if they push you way the far back and you can't capture what's going on, like if they say, hey, you can't yep. capture this protest or you can't capture us arresting these protesters, that defeats the purpose of the press pass. And so... That's exactly right. And, and, we, and one of the things they talk about here is a lawful arrest, right? So again, they're they're basically saying, "Hey, we you know we've known and talked with Zach has mentioned it. You know, others have mentioned it. How you know you, you're out there and they may arrest you. They may get they may arrest the whole group of people out there, whether or not you're press or you're a protester or a rioter or a lawbreaker or whatever. It doesn't matter. You're all going to get arrested. So." You know, they can potentially use that. Well, you were at the protest and we lawfully arrested you, right? You know, and so there we're going to take away your ability to do your First Amendment rights. Yeah, I was um, I went to one of the uh, uh, initial protests here in Los Angeles and it was quiet and peaceful for two and a half hours. And then I saw what was brought in um, and it was actually an takes quite a bit to scare me. It was terrifying how things changed and what's going on. Yeah, how have things been, you know, I mean, with the, the protests and also COVID? I mean, how how is how's your life been since everything? Um, well, I was, I was at three different protests, Dave. Um, the first one, as I mentioned, turned quite violent. Um, I mean, somebody hired people to come in that... People that were protesting were, were quiet, and I, I saw, I was witness to that. The next two protester, protests were quiet. Um, we don't seem to be having the protests here now like we did before. Portland, of course, what's going on there is, I mean, there are no words for that. Um, as far as COVID, we're not locked down 100% as we were initially, but um it seems as if it changes day by day here, just like everywhere else, on what we're supposed to be doing, on what rules we're supposed to be adhering to. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, how, how has sort of you, you've been dealing with the COVID situation? Have you been able to, you've been holed up in your house or been able to travel much at all? I'm not traveling, but um, I have not been holed up in my house, to be honest with you. No, I go out. I need to function as a human being. I'm not going to hide under my bed with a mask on. I'm not going to live like that. I go out, and I'm careful. Um, Just, for example, you know, the facility where my mother is, They've been locked down for five months, uh, but I go there twice a week and I see her with a pre-approved visit. Uh, I'm not going to stop living my life because there's a virus out there. Uh, I mean, human beings have been exposed to viruses and bacteria. We develop immunity. We have to go out into the world. We, can, we can't be scared. I think, I think That's how I feel about it. Very, very different, two different topics here. I mean, you know. Sure. Uh, the, the virus, you know, is is in its early stages, and uh, you know, to build up herd, Im- herd immunity is going to take a long time. And it just going out sure. to be exposed is not a smart thing. Obviously, being uh, right. careful with masks and social distancing is a necessity. Uh, yeah. You know, to say, oh, humans deal with it. Yeah, we deal with it by dying. <laughs> but uh, we deal yeah, with but, it by but dying. You can, but you can, 
you can mitigate that by being smart. So I think it's you know it's the, yeah. the, the it's that that the America has not smartly dealt with this uh, and 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 the social yeah. distancing and some of that. We have an issue that is not you know relatable in many parts of the world because they've dealt it with it differently, other than you know That's maybe true. Brazil. Um, so uh, our issues are kind of inherent to being not dealing with it properly and people actually having the attitude well people get sick that's not the attitude to have on this it's i mean i'm not saying yours is the wrong attitude yes we need to continue living we need to continue uh having you know the you know continue as a society but also to continue as a society caring about your brother man and and the society as a whole means that we have to look out for one another and that means by social distancing and 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 mask wearing and i've been doing all that when i go out i social distance i wear my mask i adhere to all the rules and guidelines. What I mean is I'm not going to just stay home and isolate myself yeah. and not go out to the world. Yeah, no, I mean, unless you're like, if you're one of the, you know, if you're have a you know, compromised immune system or you're in a risk, high risk category, absolutely don't go out. You know, that's now is not the time I, you know, I'm worried to death about my mother who's, you know, high risk, 80 plus years old, well, you know, and she stays, so yeah, my- yeah, and she stays home, you know, and that's yeah. fine. And then the rest of us. And part of, Part of what gets me so upset about this is, is people always bring up the, oh, well, you know, the mortality rate and all that stuff. But what we're finding out is the long-term effects of COVID are, are just as damaging to the lungs, to, you know, stuff that we haven't even discovered yet. So people are like, oh, I, I might not die from it. That's not, you know, do you want to live with, you know, damaged lungs the rest of your life? Or do you want to live? It's like, there's a lot more to this. And as we learn and update, you know, it's we're looking at, you know, at first, you know, we said teenagers don't get it. Now we find out that they can spread it just as much and they are dying from it. You know, it's the younger yeah kids that don't get it but now we've seen babies die from it so i mean it's just like you know each time we learn more of it it's like so we can never assume assume what is right or wrong we just have to go with the current data and and continue to live our lives but we need to be smart about it i have compromised i have compromised lungs i struggled with bronchitis my whole life my father had bronchitis my father had asthma don't want to have (laughs) oh no my father had tuberculosis when uh, he was liberated from the camp last camp he was in so no i definitely have to be uh careful with with uh, compromised lungs let me ask you this hannah when you when you were out the protests were you covering them or were you participating in them i would say both okay uh I and, would and, say and both. when you were and have you been like you said your other stories are you also covering them currently during this time and if you are, are you you said you're taking the protective measures but are you you know, have you uh, have you had any sort of issues covering any of your subjects that's what I'm trying to get at you know related to the code no no okay no everything's good. okay that's good glad to hear that yeah. I'm going any anything I do I make sure I'm protected and the other person is protected i'm not going to do anything and risk anybody's health um travis Travis, getting back to the past press uh, press pass issue do any of your members the ap are they are they sort of media who like covers new york city type press stuff do they have has this sort of topic being talked about in any of your circles um, uh, the specific one of the press pass hasn't really, uh, we're more of a commercial photographer organization, but we do have some people that are members of the press and, and that shoot, uh, so I, I could certainly hopefully find them and reach out to them, but, uh, it's, uh, I, I know it's, it's definitely a New York issue, uh, that, uh, I know people are talking about. Yeah, I would say if you're listening to this and you are a member of the New York City Press and you're curious or, or have a, want to have a say in this issue, again, I, I think that, you know, there needs to be some verbiage in this that holds it accountable you know the the officers or those yeah. who take away the press pass they can't just get away with doing it carte blanche there has to be some circumstances 
and some some repercussions mm-hmm. for that. Uh, I recommend all c- uh, contacting Robert Roth. Uh, you can reach him via his website roth.nyc. He will work with you on a pro bono basis on this issue specifically for this hearing, nothing else. Um, he had to make sure of that if people understood that he's not like carte blanche free free lawyer, you know. <laughs> uh, but reach out to him and see uh, he can he can help you help uh, compose some words or help you with your words to put together and make uh, official comments because there is an official comment period. Um, they are going to have a hearing uh, on August 18th at 10 a.m. Uh, so there's a bunch of different ways to get your comments in there. Go check out the links that we have in the show notes if you want to participate. Okay, well, let's go ahead and move on to our next topic. Okay. Uh, we're talking about the AP, the Associated Press, and their decision essentially to make Sony their sort of camera equipment uh, of choice um, for their <coughs> stills, their video cameras, and even their networking capability. Um, so uh, without further ado, let me throw it over to Mr. Travis Keys, our resident Sony expert and cheerleader. Uh, <laughs> Travis, kind of give us the, the nitty-gritty of this story. Yeah, yeah, and, and no, no, you know, definitely uh, pull off the veil. I am definitely a Sony person. Uh, no and, bias and, whatsoever and, uh, here. Sony speaks of so, but I think this is a, <laughs> it's obviously a very exciting time, and I think uh, the reason that uh, this is so exciting is uh, Sony's really kind of trying to push the envelope in what uh, you can do in terms of connectivity and stuff like that. I mean, I the the A9 uh, was an, an incredible step for journalists, and uh, you know the the speed of that camera, the focus of that camera, uh, it's it's an incredible. But the A9 II really kind of focused on more uh, a connectivity uh, device, where you know it has Ethernet ports, uh, Bluetooth, it, it, mm-hmm. and you can send stuff to your phone instantly. So it became more of a journalist tool that uh, uh, when you are on location or anything like that. You had fast ways to get that image out, uh, and with that, they're also trying to, you know, they they have a, a their new Xperia phone, which is a 5G phone, uh, connects directly to the camera, so you can do mm-hmm. all these wonderful connectivity things to 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 get. Uh, your workout quicker. So the AP deal, which is a two-year two year deal, which is not just uh, uh, photo camera specific; it's it's a video camera uh, as well as well as all their lenses and uh, and and also uh, their connectivity with their phones, the Xperia phone. I think it's a great deal, and I think it's a, it's good for APA, and it gives them the tools that are really kind of cutting edge to really bring stories quickly uh, and uh, efficiently with uh, an amazing tool out to you know p- the people and the public. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I'm I'm really excited and big big shout out to Neil Neil to Neil uh, Amanowitz, uh, uh, who is part of Sony that put this deal together with uh, with um, uh, AP. Yeah, I don't know. If... Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Anna. No, I know a lot of uh, still photographers love absolutely love the Sony ecosystem. It's uh, I've heard nothing but fantastic things about it. I personally shoot digitally with Fuji films. So that's just been my uh, choice. Uh, it, it felt more um, mm-hmm. intuitive yeah. to me, more like, more like a f- film camera. I come from a film world. Yeah. So for me, um, I, I like the feel of the camera, just looking at it and there's your shutter speed, there's your f-stop and no digging into menus. But like I said, I've heard nothing but wonderful things about the Sony ecosystem. Yeah, no, I- it's the it's an it's the alpha system. Just to just to clarify, yeah. it's an it's the alpha system. <laughs> I haven't worked on the echo yet. <laughs> 
or Charlie or Bravo. Uh, I'm looking for but, the uh, Omega system. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the, that's the one. That's one of the thing, wonderful things about Fuji is like literally you can set all your you know your dials even before turning on the camera, so you know like oh I'm going to raise this it. camera and suddenly yeah it's a, it's a wonderful it's it's as much old school you get you know in terms of the feel of a camera with right. all the new digital bells and whistles, which is a lot of fun. Uh, exactly. The, the the Sony in terms of its it, because it is full frame and Fuji's never entered that deck, that realm of full frame cameras uh, adds a little something more uh, and especially with the, tomorrow the announcement uh, the official official announcement of their the A7 S3 uh, which will be exciting especially for filmmakers and, and uh, low light shooters and so like that is going to be kind of a, a wonderful welcome addition to the family. I know a couple of. Uh still photographers who actually shoot both travis they're they're in the fuji ecosystem and the sony yeah um so you're, i mean you're, that's, and a, that's, I, a, I that's allowed Canon. it's that's allowed, allowed. <laughs> yeah but i i was shooting with canon digitally you know i started with a, a 40d a 50d a 5d mark ii a 5d mark iii and we were blimping the cameras back then and oh, yeah. that was a heavy that was a heavy beast with a blimp and so it was a breath of fresh air to be able to go to mirrorless and shoot on set without yeah. having to lug it, it that makes box. all the difference in the world, you know, shoot 20 frames. Yeah. You know, these, uh, yeah. the removing it, it's, uh, and it's silent. It's so silent that it's disturbing. <laughs> you like, you don't even know if you've taken a picture. It's so silent. Like you have to almost look because I don't know. I don't know if it went off or not. <laughs> there, there is a learning curve. I'm looking, I'm looking, there is a learning curve. What I started with the Fuji uh, X-T1 XT2, mm-hmm. I'm with the XT3, but I, I'd like to get an XT4. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly gotten great, great write-ups, and uh, it's yeah. it's it's a great system. It's it's, it's it a great system. system. And I'd love to play with the Sony system. That would that actually would be fun. The Sony, the Sony. I mean, in terms of, I, and I, I have a. I, I won't lie. I have a Canon 5D Mark IV. I have a, a, a Fuji uh, GFX uh, R, which is a medium format, uh, 50 megapixel camera. Uh, and I, I have lots of Sonys. And if I'm going to grab one camera, if I if I had to save one in the family, you know, in a, in a huge fire and, and save the the family, the, my my Sony uh, A7R4 is 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 the oh. one I'm grabbing. It's uh, hands down, hands down, the one I'm going to grab. Okay, well then, on that note, you're gonna laugh. But if I had to, if I had to grab a camera that I was going to save from the fire, it would be that. Okay, oh, it's, it's a that's beauty. A nice it's a that's, beauty. So well cared for too. You taking out of its nice, I, like special case. I take. Uh, I have beautiful. a little. I have a little nyan that I carry, and yeah, that's a Roloflex 2.8F, and that's what I would save if the house was burning it's a beautiful down. Beautiful camera. Yeah. Liz, yeah. Just, was there anything in the book sh- shot with that? Oh, you bet. No. Yeah, you bet. And there's something. There's something about the the weight and the feel, and and it just it slows me down. It just slows me down. You set the f stop. You set the shutter speed. Even the viewfinder. Yeah. So that's when I that's when cool. I want to slow down, I grab this one. There you go. Look at that. Yeah, that beautiful hossy. When, when I want to slow down, Dave's looking for. He, he when I want to slow down, I grab my cell phone. <laughs> okay, you guys, I'm also going to save my little orange Ooh. Olga. Look at that. Oh, now we've got. Now we've got oh, two cameras. Goodness. Hey guys, yeah, come on. The fire is burning up. You can only save one. You got to make that Sophie's choice. 
Yeah, no, I do have some film cameras. Uh, if we were back in the states, I would, I would have it. Unfortunately, the cat's the cat's going to be the cat's going to be in one hand, the camera's going to be in the other, and that's about all I have room to Sorry. save. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to save my wide lux too. Okay. Oh, nice, Beautiful. very nice. You know, if we were back very in the states, nice. I would grab my Mamiya six four five and my Nikon yeah. N ninety. So I got my film cameras as well. They're sitting on a shelf, but they're not being used. But I still got them. They're nice little keepsakes. Yeah. My, mine don't sit on shelves. I That's use great. them. They're they're definitely my they're definitely definitely my friends. Deal. I love yeah, them. Yeah, I was talking to a, a friend of mine actually about the Fujis because he's he comes he like he does done film photography, and he's just not really into menus and digital stuff. And I told him, hey, Fuji's the way to go. You got all the mm -hmm. little knobs and stuff like there. Just get yourself a Fuji. So he may go that route. I don't know. I yeah. mean, in all in all actuality, I mean, it's like the Sony each 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 knob and dial is customizable, so you can set it up the same way. Right. One for you know ISO, one for aperture, one for shutter speed. So I mean, you can it's just, so sure. you can have the same setup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and Travis, of course, and I rib each other back and forth about our cameras of choice, but you know, I do want to commend Sony for this deal. I think it's pretty awesome. I think it lends to the credibility of our organization and the manufacturer to go from mm. you know putting together barely capable cameras that would overheat once you press the shutter release to now a full suite mm. of, you know, extremely capable cameras that don't overheat and don't have time limits. And, you know, with their new A7S III, I'm sure it'll be the next coming of video. But, um, but you know, again, yeah, I mean, Sony has, has worked really hard on this and they've made themselves. In fact, the first, I've actually bought the first Sony camera that came out, their first DSLR, the Sony Alpha 100. That was the first camera I oh, yeah, decided to yeah. choose once I left the military. Because yeah. in the military, I was shooting wow. Canon and Nikon. And Sony was like the innovative leader. You know, it had this, the first camera that had the ability to shake the sensor free of dust. That was the big selling point for the Sony A100. And so hyper... Yeah. Well, you also what? have, I mean... If without Sony, you wouldn't have, you know, I, I don't believe, you know, without Sony really pushing the envelope on mirrorless and, and the technology, you wouldn't have Canon really pushing this. You wouldn't have them coming out. They wouldn't have Nikon coming out. You wouldn't have all these wonderful full, full frames uh, the same way because they wouldn't have felt the need to. And now that Canon has basically said they're they're not continuing the, the, the 5D line. Uh, That's right. Of DSLR. You know, they, they said the 5D Mark IV will be the last one, which is right. which is pretty unbelievable because, I mean, it's to yes. end that line is like... Uh, uh, that's kind of uh, to wrap my head around that. That one actually kind of like I don't really even use that camera that much anymore. But that kind of hurt. I'm like, wow, that that's an end of an era right there. That's that's big news. That's what I was just thinking too. That's the end of an era because that yeah. 5D, that 5D Mark III for a long time, that was the standard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 5D Mark II but. innovated extremely well on uh, video production in regard to a full frame, right. you know, 1080p and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. In fact, I found out recently that the sort of hacker community used uh, this program called Magic Lantern or something like that. And it was, yeah, yeah and they were able Lantern. to like cull out like so many other features out of the camera that, you know, it's still capable as of today. Um, so that's pretty neat to see what's yeah. in. And again, I agree with you, Travis. You know, I don't think we'd see the five, the R5 now or the R series of cameras from Canon if it weren't for Sony pushing all the other manufacturers to get on board with the mirrorless systems, you know, and, you know, I'm and you need that friendly competition. It's going to allow all of them to kind of push each other to come up with the next best thing. And it, uh, it you know, it, uh, it pushes them to innovate, which yeah, is great. I mean, 
It does. It does. And it's a race. It's an ongoing race. Canon, Nikon, Sony, Fujifilm. But you know what, Travis, I have to say, Sony Sony is leading by the by the head of the And pack. it's hard. You're they always are. gonna have other they camera are. companies that are coming out with, you know, new great stuff. You're the king of the hill. Everyone's trying to knock you off, and and, and right. you will get pushed down, and you'll rise back up. And uh, you know, it's but uh, for for many years now, they keep pushing that 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 envelope, and uh, they've yeah. developed a camera that is reliable. That I know that when I take it out, it's going to work. Uh, and right. uh, and to this point, you know, I, I I'm amazed at what the, you know, the, the the stats of what the the, the Canon five uh, R five is going to do. But uh, it's not practical in a professional circumstance if you're using it for video um i have, mm-hmm. it, I have friends that have shot it you can shake your head dave shake your head but i have uh, I, i've seen my friends actually go out there and say it, it kept shutting off and they didn't know how long it would be off for and imagine being on a shoot with an interview where your camera shuts off from overheating no. and you're saying hey, and you're putting bags of ice on it and blowing you know fans on it no to try no no can't that's oh. not a it's not a professional piece of equipment yet that's it's a cool innovation and it's going to get there but uh, when I know that uh, I can shoot on my, you know, 5D, you know, and, and you, Dave, you have Panasonic's that can shoot wonderful things. It's like, but if you were in a professional situation, you're not going to grab that one. You're going to grab one of the other ones that you know work because you're getting paid and, and it makes you look, you know, it, you well, can't have that moment of going down like that. It's just, it, it's, it'll ruin well, you. Well, unfortunately, hence the need to have two bodies with you at all time. You have or, to. Or, or one that works. <laughs> I'm not comfortable going out shooting an assignment digitally without less than two bodies because no, it's I, electronics. Sure. Anything can die at any time at any moment. So I always have to have a backup. Well, freak, freak accidents, you know. I, I, I was up in a, in, a, right. in a plane shooting another plane, you know, going down the, the, the coast of, uh, you know, of California, a big sur, and I put my camera out the window to shoot this other thing, and the shutter, because the wind got stuck halfway through and jammed. I'm like, oh, <laughs> luckily I was exactly. able to unjam it. But uh, just uh, something like that quick can, can ruin your, your shoot. Yeah, you, and, you know, uh, I, I obviously can't defend Canon and their R5 until I actually get the camera in my hands and use it. Um, and I'm sure I will eat my words. But from, you know, from what I've seen and from my perspective on the way you use the system, and Canon will admit it itself, it, it doesn't see itself as the, the camera being sort of the main production, you know, device that you would have like on a film set, right? They see it as more of like, I need to put a small camera in a small space, right? They sort of see it as complement to larger cinema cameras like the C100 and C300 and C500. Mm-hmm. That's how they see that camera, at least when shooting in 8K. But, you know, again, you know, if you're considering the camera, there's a million different ways and use cases that you can use it for, for your particular setup you know you may not need to shoot an interview in 8k you may be able to get it shoot be able to get away with shooting an interview at 4k 30 full frame but it's, but it's overheating it's overheating in it's 4K, not overheating dude. in That's 4k 30 it's overheating in 4k 60 no. it's overheating, no. overheating in so, 4k but, 120 but you probably already have you probably already have you probably already have three or four cameras that already shoot that so if you're looking for a camera mm-hmm. that does both like why would you spend the money well, on that? I see it as a camera that can do that, and then it has these additional capabilities beyond that. So if you need that AK... Capability, like, oh, if, I, if, I need, if I need five minutes of AK, I can do it, and then I'll have to wait for it to cool down. It's just, it's just not practical. It's just, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice. So you're like, oh, I can do it, but it's just not practical. It, 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 <laughs> I think it depends on your use case and what you need a camera for. You know, if you need it to be able to shoot 4K 60... If you if you if you needed to shoot 4K 60 yes. unlimited, there currently is no full frame camera that does that. Currently, until tomorrow, 
There may be one, but there is currently no camera that can shoot 4K 60 unlimited. So we're going to after after except uh, for the Panasonic so H5. I I love listening to you both argue about this fact. I love it. But, you know, I have to be honest. I broke up with Canon when I met Fuji. It was over for me. Sorry. They make make some amazing lenses. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of amazed, like, what happens with the the Canon uh, EF line, uh, the whole uh, line of lenses now that they're not going to be making the, the 5Ds anymore. That's what anymore. adapters are for. Uh, They've got an RF to EF adapter. Or you can come over to the RF line and come over to RF glass. Yeah, you know? that's the thing. They're going to be really kind of pushing these RF lenses now, which are exciting lenses. I mean, that that that, uh, that, that mounts on that camera is what excites me more than anything else on that camera is that, is that new, new, new line of lenses that they're making are, are actually really some great, cool yeah. glass. You know what? I have some great cool glass from my old Nikon system, and I got an adapulator to use on my Fuji, and it's really fun. It really is to use those old lenses. It's a nice look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, regardless of how anything shoots video, it's still going to be an awesome uh, still camera. And as I've said before, when I think the biggest selling points for me is that autofocus system. I've been seeing some of the folks who've been using it, like especially the animal autofocus. Like the Tony and Shelton. Mm. Yeah, Sony's had, Sony's had that for a while. True, true. But I hear people say, people who've used the Sonys, they say it's better. Other manufacturers have yeah, a lot yeah. of things the, that Sony has had. So the, the, three people, the, three people, the three people they paid. You're right, Dave. Yeah, they of course they would say that. They aren't paid by Sony. You know that. <laughs> yeah. Or paid no, by Canon. They're not paid the by Canon. Yeah. You know that. We're talking about Tony and Chelsea Northrop. They no. do not get paid by anybody they speak honestly and from the heart uh, well, and talk about people who had things first they, they actually they actually do i i do i do i do uh i i will say tony and, and chelsea are are pretty legit i i will give them kudos where and of course if we're going to talk about innovation you know you can't say canon did innovate on the 1080p first before sony so there huh in your face Absolutely. there you go Absolutely. But anyways, uh, I can't wait to talk about the Sony A7S III in full detail next week when it can be officially announced and you can actually talk about it. There we go. We're going to be official. And then nobody cares about the Sony or the the Nikon Z5. No one cares about that. If if Zach was here, I'd allow him to defend it, but... I, I like that they're making a low cost, you know, entry level uh, full frame, but uh, it's just not. There's not enough in that yet to. Uh, it's really not kind of exciting. It. Yeah. It's not exciting. It just no. isn't. It you just know, I, I have to imagine someone is, is listening or, or watching us talk about 4K and 8K, and they're like, uh, "I've got my Blackmagic 12K." Okay, so if you guys would all just move along and let let the professionals through with our cinema it's cameras. So true. It's so true. You little boys with your toys. Blackmagic say make some. They make some impressive video equipment. There's no yeah, doubt about that. Uh, that 12K is, is pretty mind-blowing, but not something I'm going to ever yeah. use or touch for a long time. But No, no. not for six months. Uh, <laughs> you going to lend me $10,000? No. Damn it. <laughs> uh, anyways, I know, I let's know. go ahead and move on to our last topic this evening. We're getting late in the night or morning for me, and I know people have places to go. So the AP uh, has made the decision to capitalize the word black in AP style when referring to um, the racial, ethnic, or cultural sense of the word. So the, the actual color would still be lowercase, but if you're referring to you know, black as in terms of race, ethnicity, or culture, then you capitalize the word black. And this falls within sort of the same sort of 
assessment they have done for words like Latino, Asian American, Native American. They've also capitalized, decided to capitalize the word or, you know, um, continuing. I don't know if they, they've changed this or if this is something they did in the past, but the word indigenous to refer to like Native Americans or original Americans or whatnot. Um, so, you know, obviously uh, us as three white people, I'm sure we can talk, you know, adequately about this topic. Uh, but, you know, you know, I'm probably the only person here who actually like write or has written captions like with regard to AP style for news. But, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, <clears throat> either of you have done that before. But, you know, AP style, in case you're not familiar, no. is like the, the Bible with regard to news writing and caption writing. You know, we as the, you know, the military and the DOD mm -hmm. and, you know, the news creating profession, you know, we adhere to this standard when we write our captions and stories because, of course, the AP has the largest sort of breadth and width within the industry. You know, you put right. out a photograph there, it should have a photo, it should have a caption that adheres to AP style so that any newspaper in the country, any sort of publication can just pick it up and use it. Um, but, you know, again, this is the first time they've chosen to capitalize, you know, the word black. And I was just, you know, they, they uh, had another um, post where they talked about not capitalizing the word white. And so, again, you know, I, I think mm -hmm. there's, you know, an interesting sort of case here is to, you know, do we think this is the right decision? Um, does this sort of make a difference? You know, is this sort of the natural evolution? So is there, is there current stance to capitalize black but not capitalize white or Caucasian? White, just the word white. So it's like, again, there was that sort of, that was sort of the, the kind of counter argument or, you know, it's like people bringing up. So are they going to stop using the district descriptor white to mean a, a, a race or ethnicity? Are they going to stop using that? Or, or are they going to start saying, just, you know, when they talk about white people, they're going to say Caucasian and not use the word white? Because if they're going to use white at lowercase and use black uppercase, I think that's just it goes against what they're kind of trying to do right yeah absolutely no they're going to continue to do like if they talk about me they're going to say you know david j murphy a white guy you know and they'll lowercase the word white and it says here in their you know sort of assessment on it you know they will continue to lowercase the term white for racial ethnic and cultural sense and you know again they were asked about this and so they said you know they consulted with a, a large group of people and you know they they desire was the you know capitalized black um, because of the strong historical and cultural commonalities um, of this, and you see that just yeah, I, I, I'm, I, for me it's not about color, it's just about consistency, and that just goes against like why do one and not the other? It's like if you're going to do it, do it across yeah. the board. It's like that exactly. doesn't make any sense to me. Exactly. Once again, you're identifying one different than right. the other. It's like they should all be the same. Yeah, <laughs> in their explanation mm -hmm. here, they talk more about like the. So, for instance, you know, they say, like, the black population or the African-American comes more from the African di diaspora, right? Whereas they're, they're sort of arguing for not capitalizing white is that they say here, white people generally do not share the same history and culture or the experience of being discriminated against because of skin color. So that's their rationale. So if someone's discriminated, that you get a capital if you've been discriminated Apparently, against. Apparently, according to the AP. It's, I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. It's it's okay. honestly ridiculous. It's insane. You, you standardize it. You standardize it. That means you know it's like you know mm -hmm. at the beginning of the word at the beginning of the sentence it's a capital. You know we we build language on consistency. Well, although uh, language is an ever evolving uh, thing, which is good. But uh, if they're if they want to be consistent, they should be consistent across the board on that one. That yeah. seems ridiculous. Yeah, I mean you could point to a sort of Eurocentric. 
um, origination of most white people, I would say. I mean, if you want to talk about historically going back, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, you know, there's probably sort of, I mean, we all originated from, what, Egypt or Africa or something, according to historians, right? And then we migrated out. At least that's kind of, you know. It, so, I mean, basically the argument, if you're if you're using the, the word white and not capitalizing it, because it's, it doesn't describe enough, so they shouldn't use the word white at all. They should use Caucasian or they should be more descriptive, because if it doesn't mm-hmm. cover exactly what they're talking about, then they shouldn't use it. Ridiculous. That's what we feel about that, Dave. What's the next topic? <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a... I mean... If that's what they want to say, because again, you know, they're applying this sort of it is. It does come off as one-sided, you know. Like you're saying, it's like why not? Okay, why don't we capitalize brown? Why don't we capitalize yellow? Why don't we capitalize every sort of yeah. color variant that is referring to a group? You know, uh, I was I was looking on Facebook, you know, at someone's post the other day or weeks ago, probably now. I don't know. Days blend together, but you know, someone had mentioned about sort of. Um, heritage, right? You know, we have different months to acknowledge different heritage. Or, no, no, I'm sorry. It was uh, the word black pride, right? So, like, someone was saying, like, why do we have black pride, but we don't have white pride or something? And then their sort of rationale for that was... It's the same argument as black lives matter and all lives matter. You know, so if you don't mm-hmm. understand the nuances in that, then, then that's that's the that's the issue, unfortunately. And, and there are... You know, it, it, it's a very clear-cut differences in those, uh, and it, you know that's a whole different topic and subject on that. You know, just that that understanding of why it's not right. kind of proper to say all lives matter, and that it's not uh, you know uh, saying that all lives don't matter. It's in fact the opposite yeah. of that, uh, and it, it's no, the I, same. Actually, thing. I completely agree. I mean, all lives don't matter until Black Lives Matter. We have to put Black Lives Matter first because they're the ones that are being prosecuted or persecuted. I apologize for saying it, and so, but. The, the sort of argument or the justification there was, well, you have Irish culture, you have, you know, German culture, you have these other mm-hmm. cultures, you know, that are more specific to, you know, Irish pride, right? I'm a half Irish, I'm half Polish, right? So I would point to that and I would say, well, why not say African-American pride versus black pride in that regard? But, you know, again, I don't want to speak too much off of it because I'm, I'm not speaking from a point of experience, you know, uh, would love to get your feedback and, and comments on this, you know, of course, um, you know, what are your thoughts on, on what we're talking about? You know, because again, it is, you know, it can be a little, it, it's a little bit out of our scope, right? In terms of, you know, the certain aspects of this conversation, certain, you know, aspects of this um, debate. But it is good to have these discussions. I think these discussions are always warranted regardless of whatever gender, skin color, whatever you are. It doesn't hurt to have these type of conversations and debates and whatnot. Um, so, all right. Well, I think that's going to bring us to the end of this week's show. Um, let's again, uh, Hannah, you know, of course you can pick up Hannah's book. He threw the punch, he threw the last punch too hard. All the other punches were thrown at, uh, the appropriate, uh, level of, um, no, Dave, no, 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 no Dave, that's no. the one thing I thought about <laughs> no, in, in, in reading no. the title. I was like, wait a second. So all the other punches were of an appropriate, you know, but no, again, uh, her book is he threw the punch, last punch too hard. Um, wonderful photo book. Uh, you can get it on Amazon, right? Amazon. Or what would you like to direct people towards? It'd be better if you go to, go to, go to hanakozak.com backslash bookstore backslash. Okay. That's, that's, 
That'd be better. Great. So Absolutely. Please, everybody okay. go there and support Hannah. I'd link up yeah. in the show notes. <laughs> but, but if you would like to book um, and it's outside of the United States, go to photoevidence.com. Okay. F-O-T-O, evidence.com. So that there, there's your best bet for getting Great. the book. Thank you very much, Hannah. Is yeah. there anything else you'd like to push out or throw out or promote before we sign off? No. I uh, thank you for inviting me back on dave thanks and it's for, oh it's great to be and to see you again travis it's always it's Pleasure. it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and i'd love to speak to you about uh some some help please, on having please, to do a book launch out. online i, I, I will give you some ideas I will. absolutely we can't, ha- we can't wait to have you on again when you launch your Thank next you. book uh, eight more eight more appearances yeah. we got lined okay. up okay <laughs> Takes a while to to find the right fit on a publisher, but it, it it'll happen. Positive mental attitude, you'll get yep. there. I want a, fo- I want a complete it. bookshelf Let's of Hannah Kozak published books. <laughs> All right, well, Travis, anything anything okay, you got guys. for us before we Thank sign you. out, Travis? Let's see. On this week's open talk, I have a Sony artisan of imagery, Miguel Quiles, so I'll be talking to him in a two part series. Uh, 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 well, arc on on his interview, and uh, we're well, you know, going to be talking about his early days when he wasn't even going to be a photographer. He was more into like you know managing and, and doing other things, and then cars and discovery and electronics, and uh, and then how he uh, merged in and kind of found photography and uh, became a Sony artisan of imagery. So that'll be on uh, this week's open talk, which is on the uh, American Photographic uh, Artist uh, YouTube Sweet. page. I will Thursday. That's eight, eight o'clock. Right, there we go. Tune into that. Another awesome show. All right, well, that's going to end it for this week's episode of Around the Lens. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please do so. You can find all of our social media networks at AroundTheLens.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, Instagram, all the fun stuff, all the places. So, you know. All the all the internet. All the places. That's right, all the networks. Um, so go on there. Where you get a signal. Go on there and tell us how wrong we are about all the topics we talked about tonight, or you know how right we are, or you know bring up some new topics or whatever. Actually, um, I had a. I want to. I want to plug her. I hope she's listening. Um, I, I should bring up my email, but a, a very astute and um, considerate listener notified me of an issue on last week's show there was an oh. issue with the audio cutting out after oh. 25 minutes i didn't realize it oh because the video when i was Uh-oh. editing just so everybody's aware the it the video was fine like you know i could hear the audio all the way throughout the video so i rendered the video and then i didn't listen to it again because i figured everything's good i should have done a spot check that's my fault but I, I created the audio from the video and i published it and you know she emailed me and said hey um you got a little issue here with your uh, your audio. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. And so I fixed it and got it up there. So I want to give a shout-out to Brenda Gillum, if you're listening. Thank you again for uh, amateur thank photographer. You, so uh, she's, she's, you know, listening to the show. Thanks for being such a great listener and, and notifying me. We very rarely get people actually emailing or, continue, you know, contributing to the show and, and talking to us about, you know, the, the things that we talk about. But, again... If you're interested, go to our Facebook page or Instagram. If you'd like to support the show financially and also continue the conversation on our Patreon page, please go to patreon.com slash around the lens. For as little as a dollar a month, you can support the show and also get everything we do early. So that's always appreciated. All right. I think that's enough plugs here at the end of the show. I think we're fully plugged up. Uh, Again, Hannah, thank you so much for being on the show again. Truly appreciate it. Thanks. 
Thank you very much. Great. And all right, it was a pleasure to have you on and talk about your book. Um, For Travis Keys, I'm David J. Murphy. This has been Around the Lens, episode 235, and we are out. Thanks for listening to Around the Lens. We hope you enjoyed the show. To continue the conversation, head on over to one of our social media outlets, such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or Twitter. To support the show financially, consider donating to us via Patreon. For show notes from this week's episode and links to everything else we talked about, just go to our website, AroundTheLens.com. Finally, if you or someone you know might be a good guest for the show, get in touch with us via email at info at AroundTheLens.com.